Let me tell you, this is what my son does to me. He phones me from the airport and he says, Mom, you're on on Sunday. And I said, no, George, you know, I'm just getting over being in hospital and everything. He says, no, Julian, Richard, and I have spoken, and you are preaching on Sunday. I mean, how can you go against a prophet? I mean, he must have heard something that I didn't hear, so I kept very silent. And I said to George, well, if I suddenly have a senior moment, I'll turn to Julian, so be prepared, Julian. I said, I'm sure you've got a word of knowledge. The Lord has just spoken to me. (laughs) So be prepared, Julian. I have these, you know, senior moments. Um, Anyway, I had something in my heart that's been there, and I think I might have shared some of it with you before. But I just felt the Lord say to me, just share this morning. I'm not preaching. I'm not teaching. I'm just going to share some of our life journey with you. And as I bring out scripture, you know, as I look across you all this morning, I remember about 45 years ago, because I know it would have been our 40th year that Ian and I would have been in ministry together this year. And as I just stand here and I look at the back. I'm reminded, as I say, about 45 years ago, walking into a little church on the North Coast, a little Methodist church. And I came in late. The service normally started at 9 and finished at 10. But I hadn't been to church for a long time. But that morning, I felt this incredible urge to go to church, and I couldn't shake it off. So I walked in half an hour late, and I slid in at the back, hoping nobody would notice me. But as I did, the minister told me much later on, that as I walked in, he felt the Lord say to him, get this young couple to give their testimony that was sitting in the front. And so he stopped what he was doing, and he said to this young couple, would you mind giving your testimony? And she stood up, and she shared how she had come to know the Lord and the encounter she had with him while their marriage um, had disintegrated, and how she'd started to pray for her husband. Then he stood up and said that through her prayers, he had come to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And I clearly heard this. Was it audible? I don't know. But it was so clear. I heard this, and that's going to be your testimony. And Ian and I at the time were separated. And as I was listening to what the Lord was saying to me, that's going to be your testimony. I didn't know God could speak to me. Yes, I believed in Jesus, but he was, I never had a relationship with him. Yes, we were a praying family, but I never went to sleep without praying. It had to be blessed, mom, dad, Ian, the children, the budgie, the dog, and everything else. And then I could, then I could sleep peacefully. And I didn't expect God to speak to me, but I heard him clearly say, and that's going to be your testimony. And as I was pondering that, they start to sing that wonderful chorus, um, hymn, from sinking sands you lifted me, with tender hands you lifted me, from shades of night to plains of light, oh praise his name, he lifted me. And as they were singing that, I physically felt myself being lifted out of those sinking sands. I physically felt it. 
I felt that if I'd put out my hand, I would have touched Jesus. He was right there with me, lifting me up. Here I was, a broken woman, a hurt woman, carrying all sorts of things. And he was lifting me up out of that mud and that mire. And the word says, he lifts us up, Psalm 41, out of the mud and the mire, and he places our feet on a solid rock, and he gives us a new song to sing. That song never dies. That song never grows old. That song is with us forever. It's a song of hope. It's a song of life. It's a song of joy that resonates in us all the time. And then I started to cry. And then I laughed, and then I cried, and then I laughed. You could say I was hysterical. <laughs> the next minute, the minister was standing by me. He had come off, come down from the pulpit, right to the back, and he was standing next to me. My parents came up and stood by me on the other side, and I think there were others. I don't remember that. All I remember is this. They said to me, what's the problem? And I started to shout over the congregation, Jesus is alive. Jesus is real. Jesus is right here. And I kept on declaring, he's alive. He's alive. He's real. He's alive. He's alive. He's here. He's with us. We should be so excited. If you cried and laughed at this moment, that would be fine because he's here. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's right here with us. By the time I got home, all I wanted was to know about Jesus. I went to my parents' home. I, I got a Bible from my mom. And I took it home, and I devoured the Gospels because I wanted to know more about him. You know, Paul's greatest desire was this, to know him more, to know him more. That should be our greatest desire. That should never leave us. That should resonate in us every day, to know him more that intimate relationship with him. And I devoured the scriptures because I wanted to know him more. That's what God had put into my heart. And then we do have that lovely Psalm 41. He's lifted each one of us. He's lifted each one out of the situations, the hurts, the pain, whatever we might be carrying, he lifts us up and he says, I put you on a solid rock where you'll be, un whatever comes against you, you'll be unshakable because you're on my rock, Jesus. Nothing, nothing can come against you because he is greater than what tries to come against you. He says, you will... In me, you will not be shifted. In me, you'll be on a solid rock. And that song, that new song, will resound in you. A song of hope. You know, I share that. Because one Sabbath, Jesus was in the synagogue about to share. And he sees this woman who's also hiding at the back. Probably
probably not wanting anybody to see her because she was bent over. She could see, she couldn't look at anybody in the eyes. And he looks across at her, and there she is bent over, and he says to her, come, come to me. I mean, that in itself must have terrified her. She had limited vision. She had limited movement. You know what the enemy wants to do to us? Limit our vision. He's out there to limit so that we can't look people in the face. We can't see the bigger picture and see what God is doing and give him thanks. And what was he doing? He was taking her from that place of comfort where she was trying to hide and he was bringing her to himself because he is light. And where there is light, darkness has to flee. And he says to her, you have been bound 18 long years. What was it that happened 18 long years ago? that she was so bound that she couldn't even lift up her head. The weight of what she carried caused her to bend over. And as she came forward, I'm sure she felt everybody's eyes upon her. I'm sure there would have been people there who would have said, it was her 18 years ago. This is what took place 18 years ago. And yet she came up to him and he said to her, you are free, woman. You are loosed. We've all been loosed. We've all been loosed. We've been loosed from the power of the enemy who wants to keep us imprisoned. The enemy was her jailer. And Jesus comes and he says, you're a free woman. And then he does something beautiful. He says to her, you're a daughter of Abraham. What was he doing? He was putting her into family. No longer alone, no longer isolated. No longer having to hide, ashamed. He was saying, you're a daughter of Abraham. You're in the family of Abraham, the family of faith. Because Abraham was a man of faith. And all the promises that he had given to Abraham, that I will bless you, that I will prosper you, he was giving to her. Because it was for the generations to come. And you will be a blessing to the generations to come. He was putting in a family and saying, you are blessed. And that word blessed means favored. You are blessed. I'm giving you favor today. I'm giving you favor. We walk in the favor of God. Not because what we have done, but because of what he has done. Do you realize we clothe, we are filled with the favor of God upon our lives. And that's what he was saying to her. Where she had lost hope, where she was hopeless, where she was in despair, whatever she had carried. He said, no more. Today you are free. Today you are, you are clothed in my favor. 
Today, just as Jeremiah says, I have called you for a purpose and a destiny. I've not caused, called you to be harmed like the enemy, but to give you life and to give you destiny and to give you hope. Today you can walk out of here with hope, with life. And she lifts up her head. And she looks up. And she can see eye to eye with Jesus. And she begins to praise the Lord. When we come to praise the Lord here in our homes, do we, are our heads lifted up or are we bent over? Because he wants us free. He wants our heads up because he's the glory and the lifter of our heads. The enemy wants us bowed down. He wants us to look inward and downward. God wants to look, us to look upward and outward. And that's what he was doing with her. And so he was giving her hope. And I want to just read what hope is. Hope is this. It is the expectation to see the goodness of God in every situation and in every season. And hope is the atmosphere that faith grows in. That's why faith is the substance of hope. The expectation to see the goodness of God in every situation. We might find ourselves in a difficult situation, but God is still at work. We might find ourselves in difficult seasons, but God is still at work. He's just, he's still showing his goodness if we would only recognize his goodness. So it doesn't matter what season we find ourselves, God is at work with us. So she lifted up her head, no more crooked thinking. She was free. No more bent over. She was free. She was able to lift up her head and begin to praise him. She had an encounter with Jesus. That's why it's so, I just love that story. Because I felt like her when I came in that morning. But he lifted me up. He's lifted each one of us up. I want to just share how I made somebody's day. I had to get a prescription from Broadway Pharmacies some years back. And I walked up the road. I couldn't park near the pharmacy. It was full up. I walked in, gave in my prescription, and waited in the queue to receive it. And a lady came and put her arms around me. And she said to me, your bra's showing. I said, no, it's not. It's fine. She said, no, it's showing. I said, no, it's, it's absolutely fine. So she said, well, just come with me. And she had her arms around me. She took me behind one of those big stores with all the bottles and everything else. And she hid me behind there. And she said, now look. Well, I had a button up here and a button down there and everything else was exposed. <laughs> and... Um, well, at that moment, I thought, Lord, could you open the floorboards? I, I just would like to disappear. So she started to laugh. And she laughed, and she laughed, and she laughed. Well, I, 
started to laugh too, even though I still wanted the floorboards to open up. And we were hysterical. And so I never got my prescription. I never went back. I don't know if I've ever been back. <laughs> and I walked out and went straight to my car. But before I walked out, she said to me, you know, I was having a bad day. She said, it's been a horrible day. I've really felt down. Well, I thought, Lord, please don't use me again with anybody that is having a bad day. You know, I don't need this in my life. And so I made her day that day. But I wanted to share with you some true testimonies here. And I felt the Lord just say, share. Don't take them with you one day. Share our God who's a miracle-working God, who is always at work on our behalf and on others' behalf. He's a big God. John had come down from Kersney to play um, rugby at Glenwood. And Ian and I had packed a picnic lunch to watch him and to give him lunch in between the games. And we went there and Susan and Ian went to go and get the picnic basket out of the car when uh, it was half, when they had finished the one game. And they came back and they said, you won't believe it. We've locked the key in the car. And he said, we've been trying to get the car open. And Ian looked at me and said, in about two hours, I have to take a wedding. I've still got to go and get changed and ready for the wedding. And he said, we can't break into this car. So he said, Roseanne, there weren't any cell phones. And he said, won't you go across the road? There were a whole row of houses. And he said, won't you just go to a house and ask if you could possibly use their telephone and ask our neighbor to break into our house, get the spare key and bring it. <laughs> so I go across the road. And there's all these homes, and I think, oh, well, I'll go into that one. It looks quite nice. So I knock on the door, and this lady comes to the door, and all I can hear are all these dogs barking and going mad. And she says, what do you want? What do you want? I'm having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> so I thought, nervous breakdown? This is how it happens, you see? So um, she says, what is it? What is it? So I said, can I just use your phone, please? We've locked the key in the car. Oh, come and hurry up, hurry up. I haven't got time for this. So she takes me through to her bedroom. She said, well, be quieter there. So I, I phoned the lady next door. And as I'm saying, can you, I'm trying to tell her how to get to Glenwood, she's saying, oh, we don't have time for that. Just get in the car, get in the car, I'll take you. So I said, well, just meet me, meet me at um, Line Match Factory. So I get in the car and we... Rushing off at high speed, we get there, I get the key, and on the way back, she, I can see she's all irritated and everything else. And I suddenly said to her, tell me something. You know, and I started to speak to her about Jesus. I said, have you ever had an encounter with Jesus? And as I just shared with her about the Lord and his peace and his joy, that he can come in and help her in her situation, she said, oh, I used to go to church. No, I, no he's, I've never had a relationship with him. So I said to him, would you like to have a relationship with him? She looked at me, and she said, yes. I said, can you pull alongside the curb so we can pray? She did. We stopped then. We took each other's hands, and she received Jesus. The goodness of God... 
and every situation. What looked like bad, God used for good. He had a bigger plan just than, than just having a picnic lunch. Sorry, John. He had a bigger plan. That's our God. I'll share another one with you. Dave Cape. Oh, he was having his 25th anniversary of feet washing a few years ago. Ian had already passed away. So he asked me to come and share at his big celebration. He wanted to interview certain people about what happened when he walked through the streets washing people's feet and praying for them. So I think I was the first one. He gave me the mic and he asked me questions. I answered him back and I shared how... And we had prayed through the streets, and people came out when he was there to have their feet washed, to be ministered to, to pray for healings and deliverance and everything else. And I shared all that. And as he moved on to the next person, I heard this. You never shared about the buses, about going into the school at night and praying in the school premises over that school. You never shared that. So I thought... Well, Lord, that actually had nothing to do with Dave. That's another whole thing. But it was, he was ins- just like this insistence, Roseanne, I want you to share that. So I was embarrassed. And I said, Dave, can I share something else? And I thought, Lord, I don't know where this fits in, but I'm just going to do what you told me to do. I'm going to look like a fool. So I took it and I shared about how we went into the school a, a high school in Toti, how we went in with our buses, we came, got out, we sang, the guitarists were there, we sang, we danced, and we declared the name of Jesus. Julian said, if you lift up his name, he will lift all men to himself. We lifted up the name of Jesus. I shared that, handed it back to him. I thought, oh, I don't know what that was about. The end of the whole celebration, there were all these pastors and leaders around the country. I was walking out and a man came to me and he said, now the puzzle fits. And I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, sorry, when we got into the school, that one of the top classrooms, we could see candles and men with black hooded, whatever those things are. And they were doing satanic rituals. We, we gathered that. And we just kept lifting up the name of Jesus. And he said, I was in that top room. I was doing a satanic ritual. And he said, I saw this bus come in. And these people pour out and begin to declare the name of Jesus. He said, so I walked down the stairs in the dark and I hid behind the door so I could watch you all. And he said, when I got home, I thought, I have to know more about this man, Jesus. He said, so I phoned a pastor that I knew of vaguely in Port Elizabeth. I didn't want anybody here to know, in Toti to know. So he said, I flew the next day to him. And I said, I want you to tell me about Jesus. And he said, he led me to the Lord, and today I'm a pastor. Do we have any idea? The power 
of his name. When we lift up his name. When we declare his name in this place, I'm saying, Lord, over whole of this area. Over change atmosphere everywhere. Let people come to hear your name because your name is being lifted up. You know, I had to minister at another conference, and as I was ending, and there were people to be ministered to, and everybody was in the front, I felt the Lord say, I want that story again. I thought, wrong timing, Lord. <laughs> he said, I want it again. So I, sh- I shared this time about the buses going over different areas on the outskirts of Toti and praying into the townships and everywhere. And when I finished, a dear African man came to me and he took my hand and in his hand was a hundred rand note. And he said, I want to sow a seed into what took place over Toti. He said, because God has led me there. And I didn't know why, but when I got there, he said, I'm an evangelist. And he said, it's been so easy to work in this area. He said, it's been like cutting through butter. He said, and the pastors are getting together. He said, it's just been so miraculously easy. And as he said, I cried out and I said, God, I want to know what happened here before I came. And he said, today you stand up. And you say the buses went into there to pray. Do we understand the power of prayer? The power of lifting up his name that is above every name. I'll share one more. Ian and I were ministering on the prayer, the big school hall. And at the end of the service, we prayed for people. This dear lady came. She went down under the spirit and she lay there. And we carried on ministering for about an hour. The people kept coming up. She never moved. When they all left, she still never moved. Not even an eyelash flickered. Not a movement. And I thought, I'm going to be head up for murder. I thought, I'm going to be head up for murder. We sang over her. We sang songs of deliverance over her. We commanded every kind of spirit we could possibly think of to come out. We did, we marched. We called down the walls. We did everything. Two hours later, she's still lying there. Not a movement. Eventually, I don't know why, I just knelt by her. And I just simply said this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. She sat bolt upright, and she said, that's the key. I said, what do you mean, that's the key? So full of faith am I. She says, well, I heard everything that was going on. I heard every prayer. I heard every song. I heard when people were commanding the devil to go, and this voice said to me, you'll never be free, because that's not the key. And she said, as soon as you said that, I heard that's the key. 
and she said, I sat bolt upright. When we got home, she phoned as I walked into the house. She said, Roseanne, you'll never believe it. She said, I walked into my home. It was about 20 minutes later. And she said, my son phoned me. He's in Joburg, and he, was, he went up on a tall building. And for two hours, he said, he stood on the top of the building to throw himself off. And he battled to throw himself off. He wanted to commit suicide. And he said, as he thought, now I'm going to do it, it was suddenly lifted off him. And he phoned his mom and he said, I'm free. I'm free. Do I understand how it all works? No. But I know this. There she lay. He was bound. And when I said, he is greater, he is greater in you than anything that can come against you. Anything that can come against you. That's our God. Do we understand that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is powerfully, powerfully at work in us? Greater is he that is at work in us than anything that tries to come against us. That's our God. We never will know some of the things that happen around us, but God just showed me some things. I'm sure there are many more that you will come across as you journey this life and the next that God will reveal to you. And so as I share just how God sets us free, lifts us up, I share one more account. It's about that woman who was caught in the act of adultery. I'm not going to read it. You know the account. And they made her stand up in the midst of all the circle of all the religious leaders, whoever they were, and they were ready to stone her. And Jesus comes along, and he goes to her. And he stoops down into the sand, and he starts writing. I don't know what he wrote. Maybe, Julian, you've got a word about that. Anyway, I haven't had any revelation about that. Somebody said to me as I was walking out of the first service, they said, you know what he wrote? I said, what? He said, all those who have not got a mistress, write your name in the sand. <laughs> I thought that was quite good. So they all disappeared. <laughs> well, anyway, so whatever he wrote, but I wanted you just to picture this as I read this to you, because it just thrills me. He stooped down. He met her at her lowest point. He stood between her and her accusers. He spoke up for her. He lifted her when nobody else could. He became her attorney. He assumed her case. He required no fee. He freed her. In spite of her guilt, he insisted on her forgiveness. And he said, neither do I, 
condemn you. Go and sin no more. Well, how could she sin no more? She hadn't been able to resist before because she had an encounter with Jesus. When you have an encounter with Jesus, your life changes. You see, when we meet with Jesus, everything changes. He stood in the gap for each one of us. He came down from heaven to earth so that we could be lifted up. So that we could be lifted up. He stands in the gap for each of us. That's what he did. So that all the shame and all the guilt and all the condemnation and all the finger pointing could be lifted off. He's lifted off those heavy garments. The word says, he clothes us. We are clothed in righteousness, but I love it when it says we are clothed with garments of splendor. That just speaks to me of favor. Because Joseph, when he got the garment of many colors, it spoke to the brothers, he's got favor with the Father. We have favor with our Father. He has clothed us in garments of splendor. You are clothed. You are free. I declare over you this morning, it is for freedom. It is for freedom that he has set you free. The only way we can come back into bondage if we have crooked thinking. You are free indeed. You know, there's a saying that says this, birds can fly overhead, but don't let them nest. You can't stop a thought coming, but you can certainly stop dwelling on it. Because if you dwell on it, you will be bound over. He wants us free. He wants us to soar up. And I've shared this picture with you, and I end with it. Ian and I were fishing on St. Lucia. I was fishing. (laughs) And um, I caught, I thought it was quite a big fish. Ian said, no, it was under size. I think he was jealous at the time. (laughs) So he made me throw it back into the lake. And as it hit the water, a seagull came and picked it up, but it couldn't take off, so it dropped it. Came back and picked it up. You see, it was of size. It was big. (laughs) It came back, and he... And the seagull picked it up again and dropped it. Eventually, he flew off without it. And I felt the Lord say, that's why my people can't lift off and can't fly, because they're carrying things of weight that I never intended them to carry. You are free. You are free. Let's stand. I wanted the, if the, um, uh, they're going to just come, the worship team. Father, I just thank you for the wonderful gift of your son, Jesus. I thank you for the wonderful gift of freedom.
And can we just lift our voices with that song that resonates in us, that new song, that song that stays new forever because he is faithful, because he is true, because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I shared a bit of my testimony because you've seen through the Gospels what he did, but he's still doing it today. He's never changed. He's still setting people free today. He's lifting off every garment of heaviness in this room. If you're feeling heavy, just lift up your hands and say, Jesus, lift those garments off. Lift those garments off. Let him just clothe you in his garments. That's our God.